Our text is Revelation chapter 9, Revelation chapter 9, and just so you know, I've got something written here on my sermon outline that says, important to stick to the notes, okay, so. Some of those things that I get to reading them, I realize, man, I can go this direction. Throughout the week, I'm going over the sermon, and before the week is over, I, I see so many areas. I said, well, Lord, why didn't you give that to me earlier, you know? But uh, uh, it's, it's, it's good. I, you know, I enjoy studying the Word of God and being able to get these things and then share them with you. That's, that's the blessing. And I, I like that. That's the way the Lord has us to do it. Well, Revelation chapter 9. And beginning with verse 1, And the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fall from heaven unto the earth. And to him was given the key of the bottomless pit. And he opened the bottomless pit, and there arose a smoke out of the pit, as the smoke of a great furnace. And the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. Well, let's stop right there and have a word of prayer. Father, as we start here now in Revelation 9, Lord, and we begin to again see how the Word of God fits together, but on this subject, the world looks at it and says, oh, it's science fiction. Oh, it's the things that they make stories about to scare people. But Lord, it's your word and it has stood the test of time. So Lord, it's so important that there's one without Christ today. Today would be the day that they come to Christ. But Lord, I pray it's just as important too that we, your people, would have a growing burden. And I say a burden. Something that would carry and that is a desire for the souls of the unsaved to come to Christ. I pray you do a special work in this message today. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Well, this series on the torments, uh, how people are tormented in hell, uh, is also on our website. I think the best place to go is uh, www.sermonaudio.com. Put that slash mark in there, and then put uh, Central Baptist right after it. Then click on to it. It'll take you right there. When you get onto that page, all you have to do is scroll down just a little bit. Right in the middle of the page, you'll see sermons by uh, speaker, sermons by Bible, where sermons from those various Bible passages that'll have listed there, and sermons by series. Now, under sermon by series, uh, I think it's titled. Uh, hell's torments or something like that. And so uh, you can click on any sermon that you've missed. You can find it right there. So it'd be very easy for you to find. I'd encourage you to do so. Now, last week we saw in verse 1 that a star falls from heaven. This star is an angel, an angel of God. And he is spent, uh, sent on a mission by God, and that mission is to this earth, and he has the key of the bottomless pit. Now this place is made for Satan and his angels. It's not a place of comfort for them. 
It's a place they fear. They fear greatly. It's going to torment them throughout all eternity. So often I think of people that say, well, if I go to hell, all my friends are going to be there. We're going to have a party. Satan's super spirits, those that fell with him, those super spirits said, don't send us there before the time. Hell is such that we don't want to go there before the time. Oh, they know what lies ahead to be tormented throughout all eternity. Now, some people ask, and I've been asked this in, over the years, why can't these fallen angels be saved? I would think that a God of love would want to save them. Well, a God of love didn't want them to fall either. You see, he didn't want that to happen, didn't want any of that to happen. But there's two reasons, I believe, that stick out to me. First, they had the greater light. In other words, they saw God in all of his holiness. They saw him in his creative powers. They saw him in everything that he was able to do. They saw the brightness of his glory. That if a man in this human body looks upon, it would slay him immediately. Yes, they saw all of that. They saw the beauty of holiness and perfection. And yet they rebelled against God. Now, I, I think... Uh, Dr. Henry Morris has a good idea of that. He, he says he thinks that it has to do with evolution. The, the first evolutionist was Satan and his devils. Satan was second only unto God. I mean, he's second only unto the Trinity. And yet, he sets out to thinking, you know, maybe we don't know where he came from. Maybe he was created. And I can ascend above the heights. I can do this. And so perhaps he's thinking that. And he thinks that, well, God evolved. And so I evolved. But from everlasting, that means no beginning. To everlasting, no ending. Thou art God. Wow, something to think about, isn't it? And so that's the God that we serve. That's the God that we have. And so, first, Satan got to see that with the devils that fell with him. They thought, well, maybe we can have an even greater position if we follow Satan and they fell with him. A second thing I see is that as people, you and I are procreated. Now, we like to say God created me. Well, yes, he grants us a new spirit and so forth and part of creation, but God's creation, his original creation, man and a woman, and they would produce children. That's called procreation. And so man procreates, but in procreation, the thing is, we inherit the nature. We all in here have the nature, that sin nature of Adam. Every one of us. We inherited at our birth the sin nature of Adam. We're born with it. But God is a spirit, and we were made after the image of God, who is a spirit. Therefore, we have a free will to decide which direction we're going. 
and we can follow God, a testimony throughout all nature is left of Him, or we can follow the leadings of the flesh. But in actuality, we procreate. Angels do not procreate. Uh, when, when talking of heaven, remember the parable that Jesus told? It wasn't a parable, it was a truth. He said, they said, uh, they came to him and said, you know, a man married and he died. And of course, the brother's supposed to take his place. And he had seven brothers and each one had her and they all died without children. So whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And so Jesus corrects them and says, they don't marry. They're not married and given in marriage in the resurrection. They're even as the angels. You now some have taken that to say, oh, we become angels. No. God's going to exalt us above that. He's, he's going to exalt us above that. We're going to be like Him, not like angels. That's the great thing. Our bodies are going to be fashioned like into His glorious body. That's a great promise. That's a great news. So no, uh, when I die, there's not going to be a new angel singing in heaven. <laughs> People say, well, I realize that. I've heard you sing. Uh, but, but I'm saying this, is that I am going to have one day a new body, fashioned like into His glorious body, just as every saved person has that promise. And so, whereas in Adam we all die, in the second Adam, in Christ, we are made alive when we are born again. Born of Him. 1 John chapter 2, verse 2 says of Jesus that He became the propitiation, that is the entire payment for our sin. But not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. No one, <clears throat> absolutely no one, is beyond the saving power of Jesus Christ. That's a great thing. <clears throat> There's always hope. There's always hope. But now for angels, you realize, since they're not procreated, each one's a separate creation, that he would have to die for each one individually, and in that they had the greater, the greater light, don't you think that their punishment would be much greater than ours? I mean, hell was created for the devil and his angels. It torments them. We talked about the compartments in hell, that there is the, the, the used to be Abraham's bosom, but that was taken up to heaven when Jesus rose from the dead, and it's called paradise, the third heaven. But there was a great gulf. And then there was Hades, where souls that had died without salvation, died without Christ, they're in Hades. They're in that uh, fire where the man was tormented in this flame, he said. But then the other hell, Tartarus, is below that. And that torments those super spirits. Jesus would have had to die for each one. So if there were, say, just 10 billion angels, he would have to die 10 billion times, but a much crueler death than the wrath of God that was poured out upon his human spirit at Calvary. No, they don't have a salvation. And we're thankful that they don't because they had the knowledge to begin with, and they plotted it for their own pleasure. Now, we've put all that out, and, and so again, we understand 
that Jesus died for us. There's a reason, but there's a hell for those who reject him. What we need to remember about the bottomless pit is that it is very real. Now, we've said some of the torments and things already. We're going to hit more as we, time goes along. But in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, we read this. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell. The word hell there is the Greek word Tartarus. It's the specific place for the fallen angels. And delivered them into chains of darkness <clears throat> to be reserved unto judgment. Now you might ask yourself, how do you chain a spirit? I don't know. But God has them chained in a way that whatever he has placed that spirit in in hell, whatever kind of a body or thing, he cannot break those chains. He cannot escape that spirit that was chained there before the time. They're there. And one day, when the Lord casts death and hell into the eternal lake of fire, they'll be there again. They'll be cast into that lake of fire. And people who died without Christ will be cast in that same lake of fire with them. In Jude 6, and the angels, which kept not their first estate, <clears throat> excuse me, but left their own habitation, hath reserved in everlasting chains and under darkness unto the judgment of that great day. Now look, they left their first habitation. They were in heaven. They left that. They were deceived by Satan. The Bible tells us in Revelation 12, one-third of the stars fell with him. One-third of those angels fell with him. They're in with Satan. Now, not all of them are in hell today. Some were cast in early. Some we see here by the flood during Noah's day. The ones at Gadarene said, don't send us there before the time. Angels evidently can still be sent there. that had followed Satan. There's a day that all, Satan and all his angels will be cast there forever. But what I'm telling you now is that this is a real place that the devils themselves fear and they tremble about it. Now I want you to keep these things in mind. There today are no saved people in hell, nor will there ever be saved people in hell. All who die in the Lord are with him. That's why the scriptures instruct us in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 through 23, to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor for what I, call, uh, for what I sh shall I choose, I wot not. For I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Not just better, far better. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 through 9 states it this way. Therefore, we are always confident. Oh, I hope you have confidence about this. 
You should if you're in Christ. We are always confident knowing that whilst we're at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. When God's word says something, man says something else, and shows you all kinds of things, just remember, God's word is always right. Never wrong. And so it says, so we walk by faith, not by sight, for we are confident and I'm and willing rather to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. You see, this old body has a spirit made in the image of God. One day that spirit's going to leave this body. Or I'll be raptured when the saints are raptured. But when this spirit leaves this body, if that's before the rapture, it's going to go straight to paradise, awaiting the rapture of the body. And when he raptures this body, it'll be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. My goodness, that's a sure promise. And we are to comfort one another with those things. And so we have a sure comfort. He says, wherefore we labor, that whether absent, present or absent, we may be accepted of him. Now that's something to think about. Accepted of him. I've heard people over the years say <clears throat> about things, well, I don't think God would and Something that God does in judgment. I don't think God would do that. You remember back when 9-11 happened and a couple of the big hurricanes happened? People asked, I wonder if God and a couple of preachers said, God may be judging America. Boy, the media got upset. God doesn't do that. And they were upset with those guys for saying that. Unfortunately, most of those same preachers backed off and wouldn't say it anymore. Apologized for it. Now they got another apology coming to the Lord. God does judge that way. But you know what? When they would say, I don't think God would do this. I don't think God would do that. I don't see anything wrong with this. I don't think God would judge a man for this. I don't think God uh, sees anything wrong with that. Hey, we're living in a new age. They have no biblical evidence for it. Obviously, they are led by their flesh in fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And what it becomes is that the standard of their mind is greater than the standard of the Word of God as far as they're concerned. And when you get to that point, you are on the losing side. You see, people that they may be saved, but they have no concept of the holiness of God because they don't seek to know Him in that the way they should seek to know him, walking with him every day, meditating in his word. And so they lack the capacity, uh, capacity spiritually to understand these things. This is why we, by faith, we walk in this life, not by sight. We don't, well, this went well, so it must be okay. It must be good. But you know what? The Bible tells us what's good and what's not. For an example, there's a crown for edifying fellow believers in the Word of God. Encouraging them to, to obey all that He has commanded us. There's a crown for that. Remembering that there's a crown for turning souls to righteousness. 
witnessing the gospel to them. Remember that we were given the very Holy Ghost of God the moment we were saved, and that Holy Ghost is our mentor. The Bible will use different ones to lead us, to help. He gives us preachers. He gives us teachers. He gives us evangelists. He gives people in our lives that are knowledgeable in the Word of God, and, and they share things with us. That's edification. But you have the Holy Ghost to be able to take those things that God gives to other people and let Him mentor you. I am no one's mentor. I'm only a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. To become your mentor or anyone else's mentor would be to step down from what He's called me to do. But, there are things through edification, through the teaching and the preaching of the Word that sound like mentoring you, but no, that's the Holy Spirit. He speaks through His Word. And when you let Him speak through His Word, He becomes your mentor. Let Him be that. Ours is to realize that our commitment is stronger than our marital commitment. Throughout our life, if it's going to accomplish anything for the Lord Jesus Christ. Understand the Holy Spirit. The Greek word is paraclete. As a matter of fact, I already have it typed up for next week's bulletin's pastor's notes. The paraclete, one who is called by the side, the Holy Spirit within you. This was the plan of the Trinity before the worlds were made. That those who would receive Christ would also receive the very Spirit of God to indwell them. We become the children of God. And that Spirit of God is there with us to lead us, to comfort us. He's called the Comforter. To be at our side. A paraclete means to be at the side. Are we going to go through trials and troubles in this life? You better believe we do. Are there going to be th things that we really just wonder why? Oh, yes. But we have the Spirit of God to walk with us through it. He walks with us all the way. So, yes, we have that. And yet, we have that promise from the one that has the keys of hell and of death. As Romans 1.18 says, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death. Who was he that was alive and was dead and now is alive forevermore? It's Jesus Christ. The keys of hell and death. Death is separation. Our spirit separates from this body. That's physical death. But it is not spiritual death because we go to be with the Lord. Those that are living in spiritual death right now are those without Christ, but they can be born again if they'll receive Christ as Savior. That's his promise, but they must receive him. This angel received the keys to the bottomless pit from the very one who has the keys of hell and of death. He is sent on a mission. That's how he got the key. 
But my friend, if you die without Christ, that pit, that hell that will be cast into the eternal lake of fire is your eternal home from the second you die. And it's for all eternity where you never cease to exist. And all are without excuse. Well, they had bad parents. Well, they didn't grow up in America. Well, they, didn't, they, they never got to hear the gospel. And, and we say, we, we, we make excuses for it. But listen to Romans chapter 1, verses 19 through 22. Because that they may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things, the invisible things of him, from the creation of the world are clearly seen, understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became Fools. Creation is a witness of God. Men add $50 words to create a theory of evolution. So that they don't have to acknowledge God. But their words mean nothing. There's a witness about them. When Noah came off the ark with his sons and their wives, everybody in the world knew God that was alive. What happened? People did not spread it to their children. And when children rebelled, they gave up on the children and perhaps as grandchildren. It can happen to any home. It can happen to anyone. You got a child, you got a grandchild that you think is not saved. What are we doing besides just saying a prayer at night if we remember? Are we actively in our heart seeking to bring that person back to Christ? Lead them to the saving knowledge of Christ. Oh, their wisdom is no wisdom. They glorified him not as God in their imaginations, their foolish heart was darkened. Professioned themselves to be wise, they became fools. You know, there's a wisdom of the world, and there's a wisdom of God. But all these things in nature, you know beyond the shadow of a doubt, in your heart, you're imperfect. Every one of us know that about ourselves. I am imperfect. I have sinned. To deny that is to deny Truth. 
and uh, separate yourself from all, even logic. This, Romans chapter 1 is logic. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 20 and 21, we read this. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. By the way, he didn't say foolish preaching, the foolishness of preaching. Preaching Calvinism, preaching, well, everybody's going to go to heaven. Well, you just do the best you can. That's foolish preaching. Great foolishness. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 11, you find out some of them were homosexual. You find out some of them were drunkards. You find out some of them were adulterers. And, and, and you find out all kind of what we call way down, wicked, low down sin. And the Bible says, such were some of you. Well, if they used to be in that kind of life, that they, they can't change from that. Well, then you just called God a liar. He says, such were some of you. When he saves, his blood is greater and more powerful than any sin in our life. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That is still the truth today. Do we believe it? Do we believe it? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 through 8, Howbeit we speak the wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of the world, nor of the princes of this world, that come to naught, they come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Oh, but you can be saved from the torments of hell. And the Lord has entrusted and called us to carry that gospel, regardless of the reactions that people give us, because we have a comforter. We have one who tells us, I'm by your side. Doesn't matter if they hate you. Doesn't matter if they say all matter of evil against you falsely. Stick with it. I'm by your side. Oh, but I must ask the question. What will it take to wake you up in this life? First church I pastored. I had a man, his name was Darwin. I won't give you his whole name. I don't know if he's still living today. When I took over the church, he was in his 40s, and that's old as dirt back then. <clears throat> but Darwin had been a Mormon from Utah. Can't get any Mormon, more Mormon than that. He told me he got baptized 46 times in one day. Yeah. But they moved from there. They were living in Pensacola at the time. And he got saved. He started going to church, brought his wife and kids to church with him. Had a 
his wife's sister would come sometimes with him. He says, then I got away from the Lord. He says, no, we'd go to church some, but we just stopped being faithful. He had a little girl, I think she was about 10 years old or something like that, 8 to 10 years old. It was Sunday night, and the wife's sister came over, and, and they were doing, she said, well, hey, let me go to the store and get that for you. And the little girl said, can I go with her? Sure. So she went with her. Sunday night, while church services were going on, a drunk hits their car. The drunk is fully at fault. But regardless of whose fault it is, that girl is rushed to the hospital in critical condition. Darwin said, I went up to the hospital. I stayed there day after day with my daughter. I cried. And it seemed like the Lord just kept her going for a couple of days extra. They had already told him she was going to die. But then he said, you know, I looked at her. I just prayed to God. I looked at her. And I realized he was going to take her home. And I didn't want to mess up again. I did not want to mess up again. I did not want to do those same things again. And yes, his son, his daughter died. That's before I ever come to take over the church, but when I did, when they called me as the pastor, he shared the story with me, and you could count on him to be out witnessing, you could count on him to do a whole lot of things. And he had his family, and he was concerned for the ones that weren't saved. The little girl was saved, she'd gotten saved. But then, as he got to the end, he realized, my little girl is saved. But what next? I won't get to see her again until we get to heaven. And when I see her, she already knows I'm sorry. I think the Lord let her know that. But when I should have had her in church, We were out having our fun. You see, Christian, sometimes our testimony does affect those that we love. And the results are not on ourselves sometimes that are that drastic, it's on them. But it helped get Darwin to get back right with God. My question, what does it take in life to wake you up? Are you where you're supposed to be as a Christian? God has a specific will for your life. Goodness, we've got choir, we've got buses, we've got children's churches, we've got Sunday school classes. 
we've got men's prayer meeting in here. We've got a ladies' Bible study getting ready to get started. We're going to have visitation. And on we can go of things that are here. And the attitude gets to be, well, I'm going to church. Y'all to be happy with that. It doesn't matter whether I'm happy or not. What does God think? Because your relationship is so very personal with Him, and at His appearing, do you want to be ashamed or have confidence that you'll hear, well done, good and faithful servant? But, on the other hand, if you're doubting your salvation, make sure of it today, won't you? Let's bow our heads.